Well, hello and welcome to day 14 of our daily Advent readings. Today, we center around this word fear. Read out of our scripture reading in Luke 2, verse 10, it says, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. Be not afraid could be a legitimate substitute for the words, Merry Christmas. This command kicked off the first message spoken after 400 years of divine silence. It was directed to Zechariah as he learned of the upcoming birth of his son, who would be John the Baptist. It was said to Mary as she received the message she would be bearing the Savior through her virgin womb. And it was spoken to Joseph as he pondered quietly, divorcing his betrothed for her seemingly adulterous pregnancy. It was sung to the shepherds as they were hired to be the first incarnation preachers in the coming kingdom. And it is announced to you today as you celebrate this historical moment that is still happening in your midst. Why it was a shock to see angels is left to our imagination. I'm guessing most of our assumptions about an experience involve a robust sound and light show. We'd imagine a blinding light, a halo glow of some humanoid form in a white robe delivering a divine speech backgrounded by sonic persuasions of heavenly clouds. But what gave us this vision, this vision of angels and what we imagine? Is it scripture? Nope. Probably more like television and movie scenes. It is not that it didn't happen that way, but it wasn't necessarily such a big production as we perceive it. The account of the separate just says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, implying that there was light, possibly because it was nighttime and it would have been hard to see some messengers in the dark. In all the other cases, it would have been very simple and less glitterly than we imagine. Just as a glorious stranger delivering an unbelievable message in a familiar setting, I think the invitation of the glory of the Lord that shines is less in the light show, but more in the message. The glory of the Lord has many roots, but they all point to the idea of heaviness or weight alongside the notion of respect or honor. If you can imagine swimming in an open body of water and all of a sudden a 50-foot humpback whale is swimming slowly by you, singing quietly after you pee in the sea, you are overwhelmed by the glory of that whale. The enormity of size, its presence, the force in that moment, your fragility in the presence of its immensity demands your respect. The writers of the Bible described this same kind of experience but without the size parameters of oceanic mammals. They allude to immense weightiness in an interaction that demands the respect. Maybe the weightiness is simply the awakening that God is real, that the hidden, much larger spiritual realm is really there, and that the way you have been assessing everything is falling apart, and you are left in the weighty space of not knowing what to think anymore. A message from the divine must start with, be not afraid, because it is shattering the security you have found in your limited conclusions. Existence is a cure to endure. Our bodies are just as flawed, 
full of disappointment. Divine encounters only happen with worthy saints on mountaintops or sacred places. The Almighty can't wait to be wrathful towards the sinful malarkey taking place on the earth. We deserve to be left out because of our glaring inability to be faithful. We've heard that before, haven't we? And yet the messengers who stand in the presence of God are astonished by our limited conclusions, for their message is not one of that, but a proclamation of good news. That existence, in all its seemingly absurdity, is not a curse to endure, but the very gift of the giver of existence that he wants you to receive and participate in. That it's good to be in your body for all kinds of miracles happen in it. That divine encounters happen in the humblest of places like at your job, in your kitchen, or in your headspace of making hard decisions. That the Almighty didn't enter the world as a judgmental titan set on condemning it, but as a loving participant who ultimately works of healing came through his ultimate loving participation on the cross. That love is intentionally inclusive in its restoration an invitation of all things and isn't worried about not accomplishing what it has set out to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm down with an angelic visit. I love to see firsthand what Luke means when he writes the glory of the Lord shown around them. And I'd for sure make a painting of it. Think about how famous that painting would be if I could depict it. Not in a celebrity way, but in a true way, like an image that helps the world find a firm place to stand on in the quicksand of insecurity. But I haven't had an angelic visit like that. But I give you this image of a little baby being born into our world, one like so many others before me have depicted, because maybe the glory of the Lord shining around is already happening to me, to you, to us, when we consider the weight of that incarnation in our lives today. Maybe the place we experience this Emmanuel God with us today is in the very fears we have about our own lives, our own world, or our own future. The fears that keep us from believing that anything can happen or be different. The fears that make silence of the divine feel like centuries have passed. The fears that we are all here on our own and the fears that we will be holding at our upcoming angelic visit. So today, let our fears be the starting place of divine connection, because if a messenger from heaven were to show up with an announcement of good tidings and of great joy, a message that would change everything, historically, that proclamation would begin with a greeting, be not afraid, or as we say it today, Merry Christmas. So, Merry Christmas. May you not be afraid because love is drawn near.